Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, March 6, 2018. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today is Jeremy Hawkins in London. Jeremy, aside from having a plethora of economic data this week, the weekend offered political events as well in both Italy and Germany with a little Brexit on the side. It did indeed. I suppose there's plenty of politics around Europe at the moment, but not all of it, it has to be said, is having any particular impact uh, upon the financial markets, uh, certainly the euro anyway. Um, the bad news, I suppose, as far as international investors are concerned, was uh, the Italian election, which was held on Sunday. That produced an inconclusive result, which came as no surprise to anyone whatsoever. But there were some um, shocks in, in the way the swing went through, which was very much in favour of the more anti-established or populist parties and indeed the five star which is the the, the main anti-establishment party um, in Italy these days um, has secured the, the strongest individual party position within the new uh, within the new parliament so uh, where we go from here it's, it's kind of anyone's guess at the moment I mean the big concern I think certainly for the pro-euro camp is that if we were to see the likes of Five Star and the, the so-called Northern League, which is, if you like, perhaps the most anti-Euro um, anti-Euro party, if they were to form some kind of coalition, then that's certainly going to worry investors indeed, just you know, the EU Commission and the EU Council as well. Now, I suppose it's got to be said that both Northern League and Five Star themselves have eventually toned down some of their anti-European, well, I should say anti-Euro rhetoric in the course of the last few months. And indeed, Five Star maintained that they didn't want to join in with any other party were they in government anyway. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's an outside risk, at least, that the two could join together. And were that to happen, it certainly could have negative implications for the euro. More likely, I think we'll see some kind of continuation of a, a sort of centrist government, which is pretty well what I think financial markets are discounting at the moment. But if that is the case, there's every chance that it won't last too long. And it's quite likely, I think, we'll have to see yet another round of fresh elections later in the year. Now, that, all that was really well, to be honest, pretty well ignored as far as markets were concerned. I think more important in many ways was the outcome of the German SPD membership vote uh, also held on Sunday, which determined whether or not they'd be joining Angela, Angela Merkel's Conservatives in this new grand coalition government. They gave that the nod, and that certainly come as a big relief, I think, to European investors. I mean, what the uh, European's largest country now has been without a proper government for the best part of five months or so. And at least you know, by by the fact, virtue of the fact that we will have this coalition now, it means that Merkel and co can start getting on with some kind of a policy perspective. That said, um, it's got to be said that in order to secure the coalition, Merkel's had to give away quite a lot and concede quite a lot of concessions. Um, in particular, the finance ministry will now be passed across to the Social Democrats, which isn't going to go down too well. Um, in addition to which, um, it looks as if we're going to see a, a much less, well, a much less austere approach towards economic policy in general, with the SPD in particular looking for higher investment spending and generally just a, a more expansionary policy to come through. So that may have knock-on effects as far as the rest of Europe's concerned too. And I think you know, to that end, it certainly helped to give the, uh, the euro something of a bull factor run over the course of the last couple of days or so. In terms of this week, I think you know, the main focus is going to be on the ECB. 
Now, it's got to be said that you know, no one's expecting any kind of change in official interest rates or indeed the quantitative easing program. However, what I think probably is now the built-in consensus in the marketplace is the ECB is going to make some change to its forward guidance. And that is certainly something investors should be looking out for closely on Thursday. At the moment, we still have the ECB operating with a so-called easing bias, whereby essentially it's promising that it will extend or increase its quantitative asset uh, purchase program if it turns out that the economy doesn't perform as well as it expects. Now, for a lot of people, it's a case that, well, why do you still need that when the economy is apparently performing as well as it is? So certainly for the likes of a German contingent on the council, they've been pushing for that particular clause to be deleted for some time some time now and indeed they'd like to see you know, a, a clear deadline for the quantitative easing program itself now i don't think we'll see the latter but there is at least a reasonable chance that mario draghi as cautious as he is will be prepared to drop that easing bias so altogether from the official statement and essentially adopt what markets will see as a neutral policy stance now that doesn't mean to say we're about to see any major changes to the quantitative easing program nor does it mean to say that we're going to see any kind of near term change in interest rates. Indeed, interest rates could still be at current levels come the end of the year. But the way financial markets operate, of course, it's going to be, well, okay, that is the first step towards ending the quantitative easing program. And once that's happened, we could see higher interest rates in due course. So I think Thursday will be important for this ECB meeting for financial markets. If they do delete the easing bars and adopt a neutral one, it should be bullish for the euro. But if we see them deciding to remain cautious, maintain that easing, bars, then we could actually see the euro, I think, come off quite sharply. So quite a lot going on this week. Jeremy, what's amazing to me is the amount of dialogue that's being uh, directed already at Draghi's uh, successor, which is not until sometime next year, including from the ex-Bundesbank president, Weidmann. Indeed. I mean, it's, I suppose it's, if you like, the most important uh, central bank job as far as Europe's concerned. Um, and so inevitably politics, since we're talking about all the different Eurozone countries in this, um, inevitably politics is going to be you know, a major player in this. Now, I think at the moment, because it looks as if we will be having uh, a Spanish a member being promoted into the vice presidency. You know, the suspicion is that, well, if vice presidency goes to southern Europe, there's a real chance northern Europe could take the uh, the actual, you know, the big position, Mario Draghi's president's position next year um, as well. And there's a lot of talk that the Bundesbank would really like to take that. Um, now, it could well be that the Bundesbank president at the moment, uh, Jens Wiedmann, indeed gets the nod. It's certainly not clear, but it's, I think, some of the, you know, as you say, there's a lot of talk about it. One reason is, of course, that it's been the German contingent which was very much anti Mario Draghi's original plan to save the euro by by initiating this program whereby he'd buy whatever bonds necessary to keep the euro safe during the great financial crisis. The German contingent were extremely anti that and indeed they've been pushing for a clear-cut end to the quantitative easing program for several meetings now. So were we to see the Bundesbank take over the, um, the ECB in terms of the key role it could certainly have implications, I think, for Eurozone markets because by, by, by and large, folks would be expecting a much less accommodative policy. But there's an awful lot of politics to go as far as this is concerned. Thank you. Well, on to the Bank of Japan, uh, who does things differently. 
unlike, unlike the ECB and the uh, deputy or vice chair in the case of the ECB um, is nominated on his own term. In Japan, the deputy governor's uh, terms run consecutively with the with the governors, and at the moment they're testifying in front of the parliament, both the lower and upper houses in in German in Japan, uh, to get their positions for the. Governor Kuroda is running for a reappointment for his second five-year term as governor. And he testified on Friday for the lower house and this morning, Monday, um, in the upper house. Um, his testimony was kind of interesting in that he said the market's a flutter on Friday uh, by saying for the first time that the prospect of an exit from its extremely accommodative policy, if, if his inflation target was met, sent the yen higher and bond prices lower. Uh, today, he tried to qualify that statement in his further testimony. And he said a further exit, exit from the ultra-easy monetary policy would need to be very gradual. He said the BOJ had the necessary tools to engineer a smooth exit from easy policy and was already brainstorming how a future stimulus exit could possibly affect its balance sheet, but sounded caution about withdrawing too quickly. When the BOJ exit, it will be a very gradual process. That sounds familiar. So as not to trigger a spike in long-term interest rates or a disruption in the financial markets. The BOJ needs to move cautiously so as not to hurt the economy and prices. And added that the details on when and how will depend on economic and price data at the time. Uh, and presumably, there's there's no chance that they'll actually start exiting the program until they meet this two percent inflation target. Correct. And inflation at this juncture in January was zero point nine percent on on the year, which is quite a distance from the two percent they're looking for. Quite. And they so have also said, and they've also said in the past that they would make sure that the two percent inflation was in place for some time before they would move. Right. So, I mean, as a starting point, what chance do you think there is a meeting 2% in, let's say, fiscal 2019? And even when we get there, how long do you think it would be before they actually do anything in terms of policy? Well, I think it's dubious that they will get there in 2019. They keep pushing the deadline for when they will reach it further and further into the future when prices don't seem to respond to whatever they're doing. And so, and then again, they've said that they would wait some time before they would implement policy. So, I think Nothing's going to change there for a, so, a long time, except perhaps market heightened financial and heightened interest in, in what they're doing and saying. And I, I find the fact that he's even broached the subject fascinating. Yeah, interesting.
Thank you, Jeremy. Until next week.